Our Heavenly Father, we want to worship you yet again this morning. You are a sovereign Lord. There is no God besides you. We have come here to worship you and to bless you. And we also know that you are here to bless us. This morning, I pray that you bless everyone that is under the sound of my voice. Father, heal the sick. Deliver the bound. Lose the fettered. Break every bondage and set your people free. In the name of Jesus Christ. There are people here who have struggled with holiness. Let the words that will be said today not bring condemnation on any man. But grant us the grace, O God, to begin to live sanctified and holy lives, that we may indeed be your children. Father, I just ask that your unction may rest upon me, that you speak your word to your people through me. I desire to be your oracle and nothing more. Thank you for hearing us. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Today we are discussing sanctify them through your word. As taken from John 17.17. I will approach this morning's discussion by first making general comments, setting out some general principles on sanctification through the word. And we then look at a man in the scripture who actually practiced what we are discussing this morning and hope to draw lessons from his life and experience. I also want to say that any object and any human being can be sanctified. Sanctification means simply setting apart, setting aside from all common uses for a specific use. However, if you follow the text that we read in the Gospel of John chapter 17, we are going to focus on sanctification of a special breed of people, not general sanctification as such. And that breed is a breed we, I believe, we all belong to, believers who have left the world and followed Christ. So, every discussion this morning will be focused on the sanctification of the Christian, not necessarily sanctification of items of worship or sanctification of the houses of worship, but the sanctification of individuals who have committed themselves to the service of Christ. With that in mind, I want to say again that sanctification is the activity of God which liberates a man from the power of sin. It means to set apart, involves the separation of the believer from evil, and the world to a life of obedience to the word of God. Sanctification makes him more and more like Christ. It is the process of transforming the believer from a sinner to a Christ-like life. Sanctification shows the fruit of justification 
which we receive from God when we believed. As soon as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God justifies you, regards you as sinless, regards you as blameless, as somebody who hasn't done any wrong. That is justification. But he also sanctifies so that that position of of justification that he has given might be made manifest through the things that come from you, the things you do and the things that you say. I haven't gone to any school of theology, so I will avoid theology as much as possible. But I understand that the scripture talks about positional sanctification. As you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11. God has sanctified every believer. The moment you believe, you receive a sanctification. And that is why even though the Corinthians, who were manifestly carnal, were still addressed as saints, it was because of that positional sanctification that they got when they believed in Christ. The Bible said they were washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. But I will not dwell on that. This morning we will talk more about progressive sanctification. The sanctification that I alluded to earlier, which makes us daily become more like Christ. In Colossians chapter 3 from verses 1 to 10, you will see the process of this sanctification clearly enunciated by Paul. It involves the putting off of the old man with all the manifestations of the old man. The cleansing of the body and the spirit. The cleansing of the defilements of the body and the defilements of the spirit. What are these defilements of the body? The scripture is very eloquent in describing them so that we are not left in doubt. They include fornication, adultery, and all other sexual sins that we indulge in from time to time. And the defilements of the spirits include unforgiveness, malice, murmurings, backbiting, slander, etc. Daily we are expected to move away from these, put them off, and then put on the new man that is in Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why is it necessary for a Christian to be sanctified? In fact, Peter, when we read in the epistle, it is clearly stated there that God is holy. God is holy. And because we are children of God, remember, I am talking about those who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The scripture expresses us God expects us to be like Him. As in is it not? Yeah, so if you are children of God, God expects His character in us. And one of the characters of God is the character of holiness. That is why in that first bit they said, Be holy. 
Because I am holy. So it is a demand from God that we need to be holy. God requires us if we must walk with him to be holy. In Genesis, during the covenant with Abraham, one of the requirements was that Abraham was expected to walk before God and be blameless. In order to live a fulfillment of the covenant he had with God, God expected a blameless lifestyle from Abraham. God's standards have not changed. God still expects us to be blameless, holy, undefiled, not tempted, not tempted in any way. Because, again, he wants to relate with us at an intimate level. And the Bible says that without holiness, no man can see God. If you permit me, it is saying that without holiness, we cannot really have intimate relationship with God. Without being sanctified, there is no way we can have intimate relationship with God. The scripture said God called us not for uncleanness, but into sanctification. So our calling is such that we will be sanctified. God has called us to be holy. You know, sometimes I hear arguments about your life not mattering after God has justified you. You can now live anyhow you like. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 7, it is clear that our calling is not just to rely on that justification that we get from God. But to manifest that justification by a life of sanctification. That is why Paul said, it is indeed true that God has justified us. In fact, where there is sin, that grace abounds more and more. But he asked the question, shall we then continue in sin so that grace may abound? And what was the response? He said, God forbid. So we should not take the grace of God even, or crucify Christ again, because of his mercy, by living in sin continually. For God has called us unto a life of sanctification. The other reason is that the Bible said, Blessed are those who are pure in, in heart, for they shall see God. So there is a blessing in living a holy life. There is a blessing in sanctification. We have prayed this morning that God will bless us. Indeed, God blesses everybody. He blesses the sinner as well as the righteous. But God blesses more the righteous than the sinner. There are limitations of blessings for those who are living with sin. There are things you cannot enjoy. Enjoy in the presence of God if sin is still part of you. Praise the Lord. I, I am rushing so that we can spend time on the example I talked about. Somebody may see ask, okay, is that all? And I want to add, for the sake of the kingdom, you need to live a sanctified life. When we are not living holy lives, we give opportunity to people to disparage 
our faith. We give reason to people to make more mockery of what we believe in. So if for no other reason, for the sake of the kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 to 10 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Does anybody here want to inherit the kingdom of God? Is there anybody here who is aspiring to inherit the kingdom of God? Then you need to live a sanctified life. You need to live a holy life. There is no alternative to that. Peter emphasized that when he said in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 3, that those who hope to be like Christ when he will appear, they do what? They purify themselves, even as he is pure. The standard of purity is not the reverend, it's not the bishop. The standard of purity is not even the one who led you to Christ. The measure of purity is not the members of your Bible study group or those who teach you in the Bible study. It's not even the man who is preaching to you now that is the standard of purity that is suspected of us. The standard of purity is Christ himself. Until we have gotten to the level of purity that Christ has, we need to continue to pursue holiness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The other reason why we need to be holy is because the scripture says in First Corinthians 6, 9 to 20, and also in the epistle that we read, that we do not own ourselves. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price, and the price was well stated. In the pistol there we are told it, it was not, we were not bought with gold or silver or diamond, or any material thing. But we are purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So, if you remember that you are not your own, the scripture expects you to therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Both of which are God's. That's holiness. Why else should we be holy? If we want to be relevant in the house and in the scheme of God, we need to be holy. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 21, the Bible says there, If a man therefore purge himself from this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be an instrument of good work? The Bible says you need Sanctification. So what's the process of this sanctification? 
The process of sanctification is clearly stated, the agent, the agent, the vehicle of sanctification is stated in verse 17 of John chapter 17, that it is the word of God. Let somebody also read Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26. Ephesians 5.26 Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26 And it says To make her holy Cleansing her by the washing By the, by the washing with water through the word So through which Material Are we Sanctified The word of God I will stop at that now I just want to say The process involves Two parties. God on one side and you on the other side. In fact, the Trinity has a role in our sanctification. God the Father creates in us the capacity both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God who actually makes us desire to be holy. Until God puts that desire in you, you will not understand what people are talking about regarding holiness. But beyond creating a desire in us, He also gives us the ability to be holy. That is God the Father. Jesus himself, as we read, and our sanctification on the cross by shedding his blood. So we are sanctified by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. He becomes our sanctifier and also becomes the perfecter of our sanctification. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 and Hebrews 12 2. The Holy Spirit is a primary agent of sanctification. It is the Holy Spirit that uses the world. To wash us. First Corinthians six eleven, First Peter one two. By the time he washes us, he now produces in us and through us the fruits of sanctification that we talked about. But this morning we will not dwell so much on that aspect. That God does. It is, it is, it is given. It is guaranteed. It is certain. God will always remain faithful to fulfill that his path. The area of problem is usually our own path. How we handle that. Is it true that we have a role to play in our sanctification? Second Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 1. Somebody read it, please. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Let us purify ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves. So, it is unequivocally stated that there is a role for me to cleanse myself. Leviticus 20 verse 7 said we should uh, be holy. So me, I have a role in my being holy. I have something to do in being holy. It is not saying, well, you said it is God who makes us holy. So if I am not holy now, it means God has not done his part. God will always fulfill his path. That's what I said. It is our path 
that may have problems. So, what are the things we are supposed to do in order to be holy? Romans 6.13 Romans 12.1 I, I want us to read as I call out those passages. And Romans 6.19 6.13 6.19 6.19 Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as in Sermon of Righteousness. 619. I am using an example for, from everyday, for everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you use of yourself as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness. So now offer yourself as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Okay. I'm sure we are very familiar with Romans 12 1, so we may not need to read that. So what you need to do is to offer yourself. Submit yourself to the Spirit. Yield so that the Spirit can now use you. That's all. Total commitment to the Spirit, to God. We need to offer ourselves. In 24 it said, as a living sacrifice. You offer yourself so that you cannot go back and take yourself from him. And allow God to use you in whatever way he needs, he decides, he wants. And that is the major problem. This aspect of surrendering ourselves completely to God to use. Often we want to give ourselves to God and yet Control ourselves. We yield. Yet we want to be in charge. No. God wants to be totally in charge of our lives. And when I say totally in charge, even things as simple as drinking water, God wants to be in charge of when you drink water and when you don't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we need to do that consciously. For this is the will of God that we do. Now, it is when we do that, that God first begins to reveal himself to us. How does he reveal himself? He reveals himself through the written word. He begins to expose himself to us by the scriptures after we have made ourselves available to him for use. When we get to that point, he begins to walk with you and to reveal himself to you. And it is when you begin to live by this revelation that you get, that sanctification begins to manifest. Until there is a cognition of what God wants, there will be no sanctification. It is only when you have gotten a revelation of what He wants. And that is why all the time, when God wants to walk with somebody, he first of all, tell him, it is this, my law, that is important. He told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. That is where the secret is hidden. When you now see it, the word, we said, is like, it's like a mirror. The word of God is like a mirror. When you look into it, it shows you truly who you are. When you don't read it, you don't know who you are. Now, I, I, I said I will illustrate with somebody. 
We will not have time to read this. It's a long passage, but we will take some verses. Josiah was a king in Israel. Second Kings chapter 22 and chapter 23. We will refer to that. And Josiah was a king who became a king at a very tender age. At the age of eight, he had become a king. Josiah, the Bible said, had a heart to serve God. And one of the things he did, he decided to do was to repair the breaches in the temple. The temple was in a dilapidated state at the time he was king. And he decided to repair the breaches in the temple. Just like us, the Bible said we are the temple of God. A number of us, there are breaches in this temple that need repair, that we have neglected over the years. Joshua saw, Josiah saw that, and he decided to fix them. So, he asked for contribution. Put people at the gate. As if we were going to the temple to worship, they dropped some money. After some time, he sent his secretary to go and meet the high priest to find out how much money had been raised. The secretary did that, if you like, secretary to the government of the federation. When the secretary got to the priest, he told the priest his mission. That he was supposed to hand over this money to those who would do the work in the temple of God. The priest obliged, obeyed the command of the... But in addition, the priest told Shaphan, I have found the book of the law. And he read it to the secretary. And the secretary took that book from the priest, returned to the king, and said, I have delivered your message. But beyond the message, the high priest, Hekaya, gave me a book containing the commandments of God. I have gone through this book. Let me read it to you. And he read it to Josiah. Remember that Josiah was not at this time not doing the will of God. He was. But he was doing the will of God with limited knowledge of the word of God. Verses 10, then Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hekaya, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened, when the king had the words of the book of the law, that he tore his clothes. I said, it is in the word of God that we find the law of God. It is in that world that we know what we need to do to be holy. Up to this time, there was no need to tear any clothes because Josiah felt he was doing well. Is it not true? He felt he was having somebody who was spending his time repairing the temple. He was doing a good job. And that's how some of us feel. We are doing a good job in the house of God. And we have become so occupied with the work in the house of God that some of us don't even have time again for the word. But Josiah had time. And when he read it and saw that ah, what he was doing was actually not very important at that time. Let me tell you why. As you read that passage, you will discover that that temple that he was repairing had all the defilements. It didn't occur to him that the items of worship for Baal 
Astaroth, Fashara, were in that temple that he was repairing. It was only when he read the word and discovered that that he saw he was wasting time. How many of us spend time to read the word? There were temple prostitutes in the temple that he was repairing until he was exposed to the world. He didn't know that they were a problem. It is only the word of God that will tell us exactly what we need to do. Until we get to that place where we make the word a companion we cannot meet the standard of Jesus. Remember, we said our standard of purity is a... Praise the Lord. Now, when he tore his clothes, it didn't end there. Because I have also discovered over time that when we hear the word of God, or when we read the word of God, most of the time we become so full. Our hearts bleed. We tell God we are sorry. But the moment we leave, we forget everything that we have read, every confession that we have made, and we go back. But not Josiah. Josiah said, I need to understand this matter more. I need to dig deeper. I need to explore. Is this all? Is there something more? There was a craving in him to discover more of God. To know more of the word of God. He had read the Logos. He needed the Rama. So he appointed some people and sent them to somebody who had the anointing. I said, go. Inquire of Holder. What does God want us to do? Joshua was told, you read, you meditate. We read. But we don't often have time for meditation. We read to fulfill our righteousness. Some of us have stayed so long that it will be embarrassing. If they ask you if you had your quiet time, and you say no, and you don't want that. So every morning, as a ritual, you get up and read, so that if Brosam just asks by chance, did you have your quiet time? You say yes. I will dig a little deeper, Jesus love. Must be sweeter as I dig a little deeper, deeper in, deeper in. I will dig a little deeper. Jesus' love must be sweeter as I dig a little deeper, deeper in. When he had the word, when he also had the word, from the prophetess. He did something. Something akin to what Ezra vowed to do in his own time. Ezra determined that he was going to study the law of the Lord. And he was going to do it. And he was going to teach it in Israel. Those are the principles. You study, you practice, and you teach. It is so important for us to teach. Teaching does not necessarily have to be formal. Teach your children in the house. The law of the Lord. Teach your classmates. Teach your co-workers. The law of the Lord. Let me tell you. Apart from helping to expand the kingdom. You are actually protecting yourself. 
You are actually making them not to bring those things that will cause defilement. If you have a secretary in the office who probably has been lusting after you, but because you are the boss, he cannot open the mouth. He will do so many things to seduce you. He may not be able to have the courage to say it openly. By the time you sit down and share the word with that person, you will know that, ah, Afshan Kaas Ros. And look elsewhere. But when you keep quiet, he just sees you as a good man. And everybody likes a good man. Everybody wants to associate with a good man. They see that you have very interesting traits and character, quality, which they don't know the source. All they know is that you are good. And therefore they want to come closer. But when you make what Ezra did and what Josiah did in 23 verses 1 to 3, somebody read that. Yes, Second Kings chapter 23, 1 to 3. Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenants which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. Hallelujah. He gathered everybody. He gathered everybody. The leaders, the elders, the priests, the commoners, Everybody gathered. I like the sequence. The priest read the book to Shafan. Shafan read the book himself. And then read it to the king. Now the king at this time was the one uh, reading the book to the people. Having understood what God demanded of them, and also having realized that they had departed completely from the way of the Lord, He took control. Men, we are the leaders. We must learn to take control. We are kings. Sorry, I'm not belittling the women. You are, you are kings, daughters of the living God. We are kings. We must learn to take charge. The king took charge. And the Bible said, he read this law. After reading, both the king and his people and everybody that had, because he was providing proper leadership, in holiness. Everybody entered into a covenant of holiness with God. Declaring we will follow you. And did he do that? He didn't end up just making a covenant. Josiah did a lot. A lot. Having determined himself to abstain from impurities, he went to the temple. And in the temple, all those materials that were desecrating the temple, he removed them. He sat the priests that were appointed by previous kings to offer sacrifice to strange gods. He dethroned all of them. He sat everybody that brought defilement in the land of Judah 
But beyond Judah, he went to Bethel to fulfill prophecy. Often we don't know the word of God. And that is why even prophecies that are for us, we can't fulfill them. You remember the prophecy in First Kings, in Second Kings chapter 3. When Jeroboam built a temple in Bethel and led Israel to sin, a prophet from Judah came and said, A man will come by name Josiah. He will destroy this temple. How did Josiah know? Remember that at this time, Bethel was not in his jurisdiction. He was only king in Judah. But having discovered the will of God for his life, he went beyond his own territory to Bethel to fulfill the word of God. That is holiness. Doing the will of God. How many of us are willing to rise to fulfill what God has mandated us to do? How many of us are willing to take the example of Josiah and remove everything that brings, that saddens God, for which God has determined to destroy Israel and Judah? Finally, I just want us to read verses 21 to 25, and we'll end. Somebody read it, please. Chapter 23, verses 21 to 25. Such a Passover surely had never been held since the days of the judges and judged Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah's, Josiah the Passover was held before the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah put away those who consulted mediums and spiritists, the household gods and idols, all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, and he might perform the word of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Verse 25. Now before him, There was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Josiah did not only remove the things that caused offense. That is putting off. Josiah also restored the practices that God demanded, which had been forgotten. The Bible said the Passover had not been celebrated in that manner since the time of the judges. That's immediately after Joshua. From the time when Othniel became a judge until Manasseh, they never celebrated the Passover. Even David did not celebrate the Passover. But in fulfillment of the word of God that he read, that was revealed to him, he restored the Passover. Is there anything God wants you to restore? I'm sure he's speaking to you. Is there anything he wants you to restore? Is there any practice God is speaking to you specifically that needs restoration? Restore it. So that we can also have this testimony that he had. Because actually that's what God expects from us. We cannot be less than perfect to meet God. Isn't that what Jesus said? You should be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. This was a man Without the Holy Spirit, who served God with a perfect heart, we have the Holy Spirit, we can do the same. Shall we pray? Our sanctification is a demand from God. 
When there is unforgiveness, there can be no holiness. When there is malice, when there is bitterness, they don't coexist with holiness. Are you still fiddling with fornication and adultery? The brethren may not know, but God knows. He's pleading with you to let go this morning. It is a demand from God that we be holy. Some of us, actually, when we examine ourselves, we can't see anything wrong. That's good. But Josiah was like that until he looked into the book. How much of the word of God is in you? How much of it do you practice? How much of it do you know? What effort are you even making to be better with the word? Christ prayed that his father should sanctify us by the truth. And the truth is the word. Without the word, you cannot, I cannot be sanctified. Just ask God to help you. I know there are so many challenges. I know there are so many things looking for attention. I know there are things you have desired to be better than you are. But there are distractions. There are challenges. Ask God to help. What are the things that need to go? And the things and the practice you need to restore? That he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water by the word. Tell the Lord this morning, I yield myself. I yield myself as instrument of righteousness to you. That your word may have its way in me. That a time of refreshing will come. Open my eyes in your world. That every day I might be sanctified. I might be cleansed. I might be brought nearer to you by reason of the world. The perfect law of liberty. And you are here this morning. And you do not yet have that witness that you are a child of God. That you have received the peace. That you are born again. You are still struggling. You are still living according to your own manner of life. This is the opportunity that light has come through the world. And those areas of darkness in your life will run away. This morning you want to commit yourself to serve the true God, like Josiah made everyone to do, that you will have a witness that your sins are forgiven and that you know peace in Christ. That's your desire. Please, wherever you are, raise your hands. Let's pray together with you. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. That is the reason why this word comes. The greatest cleansing of the world is to cleanse from sin. Sin to make you a saint born again. Sin to make you more like Christ when you have come unto him. I want to have that witness in me. That I am a child of God. That I have been restored and justified with him. That I won't struggle all by my own. Please raise your hand where you are. So we will pray together with you. Thank God for you. Please repeat this prayer after me as you are here with all penitence and from the depth of your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You love me. You gave your life on the cross for my sins. Today, I come to my senses. I repent of my past life and I yield myself to you. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me of my past. And give me the power to live for you from today. By your own mercy. 
thank you. In Jesus' name. Lord, as many as receive you, to them you give the power to become your children, who were born not of flesh, not of blood, not by the will, the desire, the design of man, but by your power. And in that same way that you make a change in a heart, and no one understands, Lord, the mystery which you work out, you justify us and count us as if we've never sinned. We ask that your touch of a change and a difference will be upon these ones. And Lord, their lives will never be the same anymore in the name of Jesus. Let the old pass away. Let all things in their life become new. And Father, lead them in the path of righteousness unto their life end in obedience to your will, living a holy life that honors you now and the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we understand where we are? And in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold, but of clay, of wood, of hair. If anyone will purge himself, if anyone will remove certain obstacles, if anyone will see himself by the mirror of the word of God as to where he is still falling short of God's standard, living in impurity, talking of the things that do not meet God's will, if anyone will purge himself or herself, he will become a vessel unto honor. Sanctified. Prepared for the master's use. And set apart for every good work. Do you want to talk to God one more time? Lord, have your way in me. Father, I purge myself of this habit. I purge myself of this practice. Lord, I want to uproot the things that have been there and your word is shedding a light on them that are not of you. The word of prophecy this morning, the word spoken yet in direct prophecy by preaching. And your life knows them and your heart knows them. Let us therefore cleanse ourselves of every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, of the mouth and of the heart, of every being. And let us perfect, let us grow after, let us increasingly live holy in the fear of God. Can you respond to God that these words will not fall on the ground without producing the result? That as you live from here, like in Gaza, you would have been turned in out. You would have gone out with a new understanding, with a renewed stand, a covenant with God to live a life of purity, a life of sanctification, a life that honors God in word, in deed, in thought, in actions, a life in whom the mirror of God is seen, a life where the word of God can have access. In the name of Jesus we pray. Heavenly Father, by every means and by your word, you have made us clear that there are lives that you cannot use, and there are lives that cannot access your presence, that do not merit your attention. And like the people have been coming to the temple again and again, they were worshipping, but they did not encounter your word. There was no change in their practice and in their lifestyle. They remained performing rituals. Lord, today we say, our lives shall no more be rituals in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, as your word sheds light into our lives again, of the things that must go, of the practices that must not remain, of the things that are shaking and they will need to give way, Father, we yield ourselves no more to them, but as instruments of righteousness, we submit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We offer our bodies, we offer our spirit, we offer our mind as living sacrifices dedicated to you, handed over to you, holy, acceptable to you from today in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, newly and daily as we encounter your word, may there be a washing, may there be a cleansing, may there be a refreshing, may there be a sanctifying to continually meet your standard and to live for you in your power and refreshing in the name of Jesus Christ. Restore to us, O God, even the joy of our salvation, the fellowship with you, a covenant of a work with you, and our lives will show forth 
continually your presence and fullness in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Where we have scattered with our lives, with our mouth, with our hands. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. And suddenly have mercy upon us. And let your blessings in full rain upon our lives. And let men and women take note that we are being with Jesus. And we are being called unto holiness. And we reflect that light. And among a crooked and perverse world, we will shine forth as light. Handling and holding forth the word of life. May this be our life, O God. That not only does, but teaches and lives by your precepts. Thank you for the cleansing and the joy of working with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And let everyone say amen. Put your hands together for Jesus.